Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Class is in session. Please be seated. Behaviors that get attention get repeated. Avoid the power struggle because it will get you heated. Listen to Amanda because she knows how to teach it. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No. Hello and welcome to the podcast show, Parenting with a Punch. I have an amazing guest here. Tara, uh, Tara, I don't want to butcher your last name. How do you pronounce your last name? <laughs> it's Forey. Forey. Yep. Okay, great. Tara Forey <laughs> with Riverside Educational Consulting. How's it going? It's good. It's um, actually Tara Forey from River Educational Consulting. Oh, sorry. It's okay. No, it's okay. So my <laughs> husband is Lebanese, and so the K and the F together is a very uncomfortable consonant pronunciation. Yes. So all the time. That's I know telemarketers are calling my house um, <laughs> who know me. So um, yeah, and I, I run River Educational Consulting, which is a um, specialized consulting firm that uh, goes into schools and community centers, sporting um, associations, and first responder units to address uh, non-suicidal self-injury, self-harm, um, uh, suicide, addiction, anxiety, trauma and other um aspects of everyday living awesome so amazing and so you are local to the boston area as well yep our hub is at west roxbury is in west roxbury but we travel all over um for example tomorrow i'll be in connecticut um for the afternoon in bethlehem connecticut um at another facility to help them understand adverse childhood experiences 
Now, are you, do you use the, are you familiar with ACE? I think it's the ACE. Um, yeah. Adverse you yeah. are. Okay. So ACE actually stands for adverse childhood experiences, mm-hmm. which can stem from either small to what we consider uh, a smaller event of trauma to a larger event of trauma, mm-hmm. also anxiety, the development of uh, anxiety and right. any kind of cognitive um, concern. Awesome. I, I, the work that you're putting out into this world, especially with the trauma and just, you know, suicide of, you know, for our older, older kids, which I'm sure you've probably seen it even in, in some of our young, younger ones, but it's so, so huge. And I, I mean, this work is so important and, you know, I'd love to hear if, are you noticing like with social media, are you, have you noticed like an increase or just with children, just experiencing more anxiety or? Well, I think, it, I think that's a, a very loaded question in and of yes. itself, um, <laughs> yeah. but no, <laughs> it's a very good question. Um, but we have to realize that too. It, yes, it is. Media does have an impact. Um, our expectations as parents have an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, our parenting skills are completely altered from, you know, not completely, but pretty significantly differing from our generations before us Mm -hmm. um and we are there is no real ability to stay home one parent to stay home both parents usually work um it is more frequent that now we have all different kinds of family setups so two parents may work there might be a single parent household here and a single parent household there Mm -hmm. there may be only one parent um and that also puts undue stress on um the adolescent before we even realize that it's happening. So children tend to, at a younger and younger age, tend to take on that stress that that, that we give, we give them anxiety as parents as well. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to just say media is the only thing. I I think um, media has a big effect. I mean, we call it, we like joke around in, in the mental health profession and the education profession. We joke, joke around about the Kardashian effect Mm. and that, that is just everybody has to look like this this individual family, so they feel undue stress as they have a little bit too much uh, weight on them, or a little too little weight on them, or not enough curves, or all that. And I think I think that does affect um, children as early as six because. Mm-hmm. They are watching television. They are watching the commercials. They are watching the celebrities. They see their mom or dad sit, standing in the mirror saying, oh, and patting their belly or, you know, saying I need to do more or I'm not who I'm supposed to be at this age in my life. So it, it, all of this feeds into um, how we are creating children's mm-hmm. minds. And it's so much of our subconscious thought. Right. And our subconscious doings every day that our children are intrinsically taking in and then repeating. Oh, that is, I mean, you, you hit it. I mean, it's, it's so true. And I, I, I wonder if, I mean, you, so you work of course with kids and you do a lot of um, like parent education. So, I mean, do you, do you discuss some of this like with parents um, about sort of helping them to kind of own and, and sort of like work on their, you know, own subconscious patterns or other things like so they, you know, because it's of course it, they, it all meshes together. I mean, when you're working with the child, you have to help the parent like, um, but do you find that you do you find yourself doing that with some clients? 
Um, it is actually a necessary part of River Educational Consulting okay. is to work with the family as a whole. So okay. we don't just address the child um, or address the concerns that this family might have. We address the entire family dynamic and mm -hmm. each person has homework, has work to be done. Right. Um, and that is exactly what, what is actually being said when you're trying to communicate to each other. Mm -hmm. What is not being said and how do we hold ourselves? A lot of our children's anxiety, for example, um, when we when we originally spoken about anxiety, a yeah. lot of our children's anxiety is based on our behaviors towards mm -hmm. that child's anxiety. If we don't value or communicate that we understand their anxiety, uh, we value what they're going through, but we're not limiting them. We're not taking them away from that anxiety. We're actually helping them learn to survive through that, that right. they will survive that. And our body language says, I have confidence that you will make it out of this, you know, anxious situation. Right. And proper. I think, so we, when we work with families, we definitely, you know, uh, role play or will, we'll have conversations about the full spectrum of emotion that we show when we're dealing with anxiety, the communication sentences, mm -hmm. the behavior, and how to not feed into that anxiety. Right. No, absolutely. Now, would you agree to that? I mean, so behavior, anytime a child is exhibiting some, some form of behavior, um, you know, and I work with from early childhood to older, um, I'm trying to niche back down to the early childhood, but any form of anxiety, or sorry, excuse me, any, any child that's exhibiting behavior is some form of anxiety. So they're going through this, this process of like trying to figure out their emotions or, or whatever that situation would be. Would you agree with that? Right. Children don't have the emotional regulation that adults have, but even right. adults who have experienced trauma as a child still don't have that emotional regulation. They may lash out easier. They may have um, low patience level, low wait time. Mm -hmm. um, and that is all examples of not being nourished in how to deal with emotions at a younger age. So right. children do exhibit different kinds of behavior. It can be shutting down. It can be um, depression. It can be, you know, overly nervous and, and having, fidgety. picking at their fingers or fidgety or all that. And then there's other ones that just lash out in anger because anger is a safe emotion. It sounds right. very strange to say, I but know. anger is your very first emotion that your brain goes to. It's safe. It's right. a defense mechanism. Yes. So yes, behavior uh, can, can be exhibited in a whole bunch of ways. The sad part is parents, because we are so busy and everybody has to be in sports and everybody has a play date and, you know, we don't take the time to say, whoa, right. what's going on in that behavior? Right. What are you trying to tell me? Mm -hmm. Kids also don't have that filter right. that, that say, mom, I need your help because. This is right. Exactly. Right. Yep. If you practice those sentences with the children, or if you sit down and you, and you freeze, you literally yep. just relax and say, let's go let's through the emotions. What are we feeling? Right. And, and then help your child they'll, the anxiety will start to be overcome very, you know, and it's not even just a slow road. It actually is a pretty fast look, road once you get right. communication going. No, I agree. I, I, I think the communication is a huge piece. Um, and I just was actually a guest on a podcast last evening and we talked about, 
you know, a lot of the work is really giving parents like verbatim language to use, you know, in that communication and, and how they're communicating. And that alone can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Nobody has ever taught us religion. Uh, sorry, sorry. Nobody's ever taught us relationships. Like right. what we call the religion of relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, you know everything about math. You've been taught step by step how to do it. You've been taught the history and and step by step of dates. But nobody's ever really taught us as we're growing up about relationships. So right. we call it the religion of relationships, meaning like what are the key components of a relationship or building a relationship right and how do we where does communication and emotional regulation fit in right so yeah, it's understandable that we all struggle and that we would need to provide sentences that will work right you know they're research-based they're evidence-based they're practiced right they are successful so mm-hmm. that's what we try to do when we work with families that's and we great. give them homework we do right. we make yeah. them go home <laughs> right right and I- amazing if you have practice and you have to come and sit back on you know sit back in a room with me and I say how was your practice and they have to be accountable for it accountability is a huge thing yeah no it is and and you can notice very quickly um you know because of course a lot of the work that I do I'm going into the homes which I'm pretty sure you do as well but so you're able to see like in those interactions you can tell if they've been practicing it or not like you know just being just being present um and, you know, hearing from them, obviously, you know, what, what's worked, what hasn't worked. And just, you know, it, it, of course, you know, giving that you have that strong relationship, if they're not being honest with you, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get very far. But yeah, when they put that, when you, they put it to practice, it works. Right. And we require raw emotion that mm-hmm. there is no masking. It's unjudgmental. Absolutely. Um, you know, you non-judgmental vocabulary needs to be used mm-hmm. um, and, and if we don't get honesty we can't help you on a deeper level right. and everybody in that room including myself has to hear things you may not want to hear and right. hear and feel things you may not want to feel but you have to sit in that sit mm-hmm. in your actual situation in order to overcome adversity, overcome anxiety, overcome that trauma. And then you can start the healing process. Right. And then, you know, build the confidence within it. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, you, you said it perfectly. Um, So I'd like to ask you um, a few questions for our guests listening. Um, What do you find the most challenging in working with children with anxiety? It's actually twofold. One, it's um, as a parent myself, it is incredibly hard to not solve the issue for your child. Mm. Um, That is that is by far one of the hardest. I think the second is also to not validate the actual anxiety that your child is feeling. Right. These are two very big challenges that go together most often hand in hand because you just want it to go away of course it's a problem to go away and you want your child to just move on with their day so what what my biggest struggle is exactly that is a combination of trying not to fix that but to help my child or help any other child that I work with to fix the current situation by themselves by them thinking problem solving by causing them to say if I do this I can have this or I will overcome this um, and not not solve it, but also not avoid it. If we right. teach children to avoid, if they're scared of dogs, for example, yep. and we pull them away every single time we see a dog, then we're, they're never going to overcome it. It's just going to get worse. Exactly. So 
Yep. So I think those combined together is, is the hardest part of, awesome. of uh, anxiety. Anything after that is a learned behavior you can do. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, you, you, this is true. Um, now this is also um, a two-part question, but what advice would you give parents who start to witness um, their child with, with anxiety or, or, or they're questioning, um, you know, what to look for um, or like, if it's anxiety that they're, that they're experiencing or their child's experiencing? Um, so the biggest one for, especially for younger children, cause you can, you can identify anxiety very young. Um, and the biggest one is a loss of emotional control. Mm-hmm. So what that means is it's not just a temper tantrum. They're they're They can't really put into words how they're feeling. If it's, right. you know, right before they are going into a family party and you have a pretty large family and they're starting to lose their mind and melt down mm-hmm. that is actually anxiety of crowds. So yep. that's something that you want to make note of. And if you, if you are diligent or, you know, a, a, um, almost like a over note taking, like I do, yeah. I will write it down and say right. that I've noticed behavior and then see if there's a pattern to it it takes a lot of investigation for parents but once they put it all together they'll say oh i i noticed this i also say stop googling everything because thank you (laughs) you. i say that all the time you have no idea i just said it last night i'm so sick Uh, yeah, it, you can't it, because then you're pigeonholing your child, and and that might not be the pattern that they're fitting into. Exactly, um, it may be a very specific anxiety that they have of crowds. It may be a very specific anxiety that they're just tired or they're hungry or you know right. they're not good with emotion at that point in time. Um, so you know, I think very, that very first thing is investigate whether or not your child is is acting. Um, under anxiety or they're just tired, they're hungry, they're frustrated, whatever it is, you know, um, all of these things can come into how our children behave. I think another thing is don't rush through your child's feeling. Actually ask those questions, sit down. Who cares if the laundry is not done? Who cares if your, your dishes are in the sink? Who cares if you have a meeting that's going to start in a few minutes? Your first job is a parent. You chose to be a parent, spend the time with your child to, you know, to really parent. And I don't mean that as an insulting way. I mean, in raising healthy children, we need to realize that that shorter amount of time can affect the longer amount of time long-term. And, and we, our children just need to hear that we love them. We support them. We understand them. We're here to listen to them. Um, and again, be open to the fact that you're not going to hear everything you want to hear. Right. And you don't want to hear that you might be, you know, rushing through your day and you're not giving your child enough time. Right. You may get frustrated, but that might be the reality for that child. Mm-hmm. Remember, time you know, time constraints are different for children than they are for adults. Right. So, you know, <laughs> we forget that as adults. We definitely yep. forget that. So take the time to listen step by step and then try to see where you can ask questions that help them move towards a solution on their own. Okay. Yeah. So... And, that, and that's tough because what you really want to do is, you know, solve the problem for them, give them more, uh, you know, yell at them or give them punishment. But a lot right. of times, if you can lead them towards it, they'll be able to do it on their own and validate that. And that'll become part of a habit and a, and a, a pattern of behavior for them. Right. And it, and it becomes healthy. So and teaching them to, to own it. 
So you basically, so I was going to ask, um, you know, what your, what your suggestion would be for the first step. So the, the first step in, would you say, is starting to investigate? For the, right. I, mean, I think monitor their that, behavior. Yeah. yeah. Right. Keep a little bit of a log. It doesn't have to be a long thing. It could be a tiny little spiral notebook that just yeah. says, this is what they did. This is how they reacted. Yeah. Um, things that you say, why are they, you know, being set off in the supermarket for right. getting the, you know, five apples instead of four apples? You know, it's all these just little idiosyncrasies that, that anxiety starts to come out and, or they don't even want to be separated from you when you go over to get the bananas and they're over by the cart. So just right. take note of that, investigate it, keep, you know, keep track of it and then check, do that for two to three weeks and you'll be sure to see a pattern. Right. Right. Um, what would you, what do you suggest to parents? Um, or like, what would you say is your number one parenting rule when it comes to just like teaching children how to take ownership for, for their actions or for their behavior. Um, and I know a, that that's, a, it's a, it's a loaded question, I think too, but I was just going to say, it's a very good question. Um, so for me teaching responsibility, I'm in the throes of it right now with a 12 year old and a nine year old. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, we have two different parenting strategies between my house, um, you know, between my husband and I, and so it, trying to find that balance, first off, is before we even do anything, my husband and I have to find a balance. So once we find that balance, then the accountability for children, they need to see that if they study hard, they're going to get a, a good grade, mm-hmm. the, you know, or even not even just a good grade, because we don't want just grades. They're going right. to learn it and they're going to know it and they're going to be able to tell me about it. Right. So they'll be able to tell me the life cycle of a plant or a butterfly or whatever. And, right. and that gives them pride to be teaching me something. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. The other is accountability needs to be consistent. You need to be consistent. If you take away a tablet, it has to be taken away and not given back until their room is clean, their floor is done, or their homework is done, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, and, and sometimes my husband and I, admittedly, we struggle with that because right. You know, we might have stuff to do, or we might have a baseball practice or, you know, softball practice or whatever. And we need to go as a coach. So do we let our child out of cleaning their room so that they can go to this practice? So um, I think it's consistency. It is regularity. It is discipline. All of those three things by saying you can do this by doing this and you'll feel this. Right. And children need to have a cleaner, more disciplined environment right. just because their mind gets so cluttered very easily mm-hmm. that we need to create that for them. Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, of course, you know, working together as a team, you know, as, as team A before team B is, of course, huge. I work with parents a lot with that. But, um, but it's true. And I, I use the same, I just, I, I call it like natural consequences. You can't do, you can't do Y if you don't have X done first, you know I mean? And right. that's just life. I mean, children, anything that children have access to is basically privileges, right? So, I mean, that's, it's basically, you know, what it is. So teaching them that I think is very important. And the hard, the hardest part for this newer generation and the generations subsequent are, it, it you know, they're faced with the use of so much technology in schools, um, right. even to help them better their reading, et cetera. Yeah. 
I find that really taking the time and making them stop and use their creativity, whether it is through right. art, whether it's through reading, mm-hmm. is very essential in teaching them accountability and responsibility as well, because they realize then that they should not be growing up knowing that they have to respond to an email immediately, or they're on, they're constantly 32 to 48 hours that they have off from, you know, from work that they have to respond to that because then that gives you long-term chronic trauma and illness mm-hmm. that we're just looking at at workplace trauma. So right. I think that also is something that I don't think we have thought of yet, but it's starting to appear. And I'm starting to see that in children, especially teenagers that I've, I've seen for a few years now that are molding into having Chromebooks used in school or laptops used at college or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not against that at all. It's just that they should have another outlet that allows them to be creative, that allows them to see the life in a, in a three-dimensional, four-dimensional way mm-hmm. that we don't always get on a computer. Agreed. No, I, I, I think that's, I think that's completely real. I mean, that it, it's, it's hard for children these days, but, and actually I'm very much looking forward. Um, we're going to have Tara back on. Um, we're going to do an episode and, and discuss more about trauma. So um, I really appreciate you being on the show today and, and diving into anxiety in children. And uh, I look forward to working together in the future and happy yeah. to know that you're local. <laughs> yes. And if you ever need me, just um, go to River Educational yeah. Consulting um, and, and you'll find us on Google and Facebook and all that. So Awesome. Excellent. Thank you for tuning in to Parenting with a Punch show. I am your host, Amanda Houle. As always, keep asking for more. Don't forget to visit my website, parentingwithapunch.com, to learn all the ways that you can work with me. Join our parenting tribe and visit Tara's website if you are locally in the Boston area as well. Take care. Yo, this ain't parents at the lunch. No. This is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Class is in session. Please be seated. Behaviors that get attention get repeated. Avoid the power struggle because it will get you heated. Listen to Amanda because she knows how to teach it. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Yeah. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.